Amen. All right, open your Bibles up to Psalm 42, and we'll be looking at some verses in Psalm 42 and also in Psalm 43, the book of Psalms, 42 and 43. And as you're turning, I have a question I'd like for you to respond to. Is it okay and is it normal for you to talk to yourself? You said you hope so? (laughs) Well, I'm assuming that uh, several of you are talking uh, to yourself. You know, the advantage of talking to yourself is that you know at least one person's listening, right? (laughs) Amen. I talk to myself quite often because I need an intelligent conversation once in a while. And every once in a while I need expert advice, so I'll ask myself about some of that. (laughs) They say you're not crazy if you talk to yourself or if you answer yourself, but you might be if you're constantly interrupting yourself. (laughs) Mm. Or if you're asking yourself to repeat yourself. You may be a little crazy. Psalm 42, look with me in verse number 5. Psalm 42, look in verse number 5. The writer says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Look down at verse 11. The Bible says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Look in Psalm 43 and look in verse number 5. The writer says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I think David had a lot of experience in talking to himself. I remember one of the times in 1 Samuel 30 when he and his men had gone out on on a and a war party and had taken uh, many uh, spoils from the enemy and left nothing really alive. And they were heading home one day and they left these cities on fire and they were heading home and they noticed that there was smoke on the horizon as they were heading home. And when they crossed the hill and looked down, they saw that somebody had raided their place. And uh, they had taken their wives and their children and all of their their goods and left them basically with with nothing. And David's men were so angry with him. The Bible says that those rough men, and they were strong, hard, violent men, that they wept. And they wept sorely over the loss. And one thing about it, I don't care how tough you are, and if you love your wife and you love your children and something happens to them, it'll break your heart. And it did, those men. And they were thinking, you know, We're in this situation because of him. And they were pointing at David. 
And uh, some of them got so upset that they said, you know what, I think maybe we ought to just stone him. Now, he went from being their captain to, to being the guy to blame. And so if you want to be in leadership, you better be prepared for one day that you may be praised, the next day you may be ready to be crucified. And so the Bible says that those men got together and said, we're going to kill him. We're going to stone him. And so the Bible says this about David in that crisis of situation, that David got by himself, and it says these words. It says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, the circumstances did not change, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, if you're going to encourage yourself, don't you have to talk to yourself? You're going to have to encourage yourself once in a while when the circumstances are not good. So, let's look at this psalm here. What can we learn from this? Because I think he had learned not to depend on pleasant circumstances all the time and the various and fluctuating moods and opinions of those around him. He could not allow his joy to depend upon others. But he had to learn to encourage himself in the things of God. What a blessing it is to have some people in your life that do encourage you. I, I, I do. I, I, I received a couple of texts today uh, from, from some folks uh, letting them know they were praying for me and gave me some verses and appreciated me as their pastor. And I'm, I, that encouraged me. But you don't get those every day. And uh, it would be nice, man, if those would come right when you're at your lowest point. You know the timing of them? But the Lord knows when you need them. And you need to hang on to them. But let me, che- let me give you three simple things here in these Psalms to help you with this. Okay? What can we learn from this? What did the psalmist trying to teach us about this and admonish us? All right, number one. If you're going to learn how to encourage yourself and talk to yourself, number one, challenge your thoughts. You must challenge your thoughts. You cannot lay down and be passive with the thoughts that come into your mind. You cannot do this. You cannot do this, not to stay encouraged. Your mind is like an open window, and there's going to be crows and buzzards that will attempt to fly in. You have a choice that you can can make them go out, and you can close the window, or you can leave those buzzards in there, and they will build a nest in your head, lay eggs in your head. So you have a choice there. You have to challenge your thought life. You have to. Now, does the Bible teach us this? Well, let's go to the New Testament real quickly. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And I know you've heard me mention this to you many times, but let me remind you of it again. And you know what? i got to remind myself of this all the time. You know, if, you are, if you're a thinker, and, and if you do any meditating at all, you're going to be talking to yourself. You're going to be talking to yourself. And so, I want you to look here. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, you cannot be passive if you are going to... Because, you know, in those each one of those verses that I read to you in the book of Psalms, 
You know what word was repeated in there? It was the word why. Why art thou disquieted? Why? He said, soul, why? Why? Now, so what is he doing? He is challenging his thought life. Have you ever asked yourself, what's the matter with me? What's going on here? Why are you feeling this way? Why are you thinking this way? Okay, you've got to do that. You can't just lay down and let your thoughts just run slap over you. You can't do it. Okay, look over in 2 Corinthians 10. Look what he says here. And I'm sure that you're familiar with these passages, but about what power, how powerful they are. He says in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but casting down of strongholds, casting down what? And, and what are those? Those are thoughts. That's what they are. They're thoughts. They're images and words that come into your mind. And he says, uh, you're going to have to cast them down. That's where the battlefield is. It's in your mind. And he said, you're going to have to cast them. There is no pill. There is no drink. That's going to win this war for you right here. You've got to rise up, question yourself, and say, all right, what's going on here? Verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And there, that's, that's some things that you know to be true about God, but you're letting them build accusations against God in your mind. God's not fair. God's not just. God's this and God's that. And, and he says here, he says, bring it. Now listen, you got, I, I pray that you, you came tonight because you're Bible believers. Verse 5. He says, and bringing into captivity every other thought to the obedience of Christ. Is that what it says? Does your Bible say every other thought? No, it doesn't, does it? What does it say? Why? <laughs> well, you say, well, I got most of them collected. Okay. Well, what if you had about 500 rats loose in your house that hadn't raised any? And you told your wife that you had 499 of them. So we'll just go to bed we'll just go to sleep. Hmm? What would she tell you? She'd say, honey, we got to get one more. And you know, I'm just telling you that you got to bring every single thought under obedience to Christ. You have to. You have to. And he says here that under obedience to Christ, he says really bring it into captivity. Now, if I'm having to bring something into captivity, that means it's probably running away from me. Is that right? That it is, it is not uh, cooperating. Can I put it that way? If you're taking something captive and you're having to cut it, it's probably not cooperating. And so you're going to have to challenge your, your thought life. And the scripture says here that you have to bring every thought under in captivity and every thought to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Well, let's go quickly over to another verse. Look in Philippians chapter 4 with me, please. Look over there. All right. 
Because if you don't do this, what's going to happen is you're going to lose the peace of God in your heart and in your mind. And that is not good, that you lose the peace of God. God's will is that you let the peace of God rule in your heart and in your life. Okay? And so look here in verse number 5. He says in chapter 4, verse 5, Be careful for nothing. He says, But in every by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus alright but then he says do this you're going to have to put a filter a filter over your thought life a filter Okay, he says, brethren, whatsoever things are true, that's the only thing that gets through the, the screen. Is it true? Is it true? Because a lot of the things that bother you and that you're thinking on have no basis of truth. Now listen, fiery darts are always laced with a little bit of truth. But they're not based on truth. Just a little bit, just laced with it. Okay, so they can kind of get their foot in the door. He said, "What is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? So if you're having dirty thoughts, what's the word pure? Are they impure? Let's use that word. Are you having impure thoughts? You're going to have to catch it, handcuff it, bring that under subjection to Christ. And say, Lord, I'm not going to own those. I don't want those. Those are not mine. That's not what I want. That's not how I want to think. Okay? And he says, are they lovely? Are they of good report? You can't, you can't, you can't keep your heart encouraged if you're always listening to gossip and negative reports and news of which there is no proof and no, no facts. Very few people... Well, if you listen to the news, I was thinking about this the other day. Even coming to church the other morning, I was listening to 105.7. And at, 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 at the 8 o'clock hour, as I was heading over here, they were giving the news on the hour. And I said, well, this, this, this is good news. This is a Christian station. But that's not what they lead with. They lead with bad news. Because people are not interested in good news. Amen? I'm mean, just the way it is. I mean, you know, I, I, again, when the kids were growing up and I'd come home and, and usually I didn't get good reports to begin with. I usually got the bad reports to begin with. What's going on? Oh, man, the kids were so good today. Man, they did all their homework. There was no arguing. Man, what a blessed day we had. Well, that didn't happen. Let me hear that first. Usually it was Rebecca getting lined up to get another spanking about something, usually. In Philippians chapter 4, but it says here, verse 9, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Okay? So do you see how you have to challenge your thoughts? Let's go back to our psalm. Okay, let's study it for just a little bit. Okay? Go back to psalm with me, please. 42 and psalm 43. Number one, ask yourself why. Why? 
You've got to do this. Psalm 42, verse number 5, he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And he says, Why art thou disquieted in me? What's that word disquieted mean when you see that word? Troubled. Troubled. Disturbed. Would you say that would be an absence of peace? Okay. So you need to ask yourself. Now, sometimes you're going to know right off the bat why. When you ask yourself, you're going to know why, and the Lord's going to show it to you, and you try to fix it. If you've had crosswords with your mate, and you're not, and your and your heart's troubled about that, well, hey, you know why. You got to do something about it. You got to humble yourself and say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I don't want to be this way." Okay, that's one thing. But here. This is the individual looking and say, okay, what's going on here? Why? Okay, so let's, number one, ask yourself why. Number two, you need to then also consider the reality of your situation. Because sometimes when people are troubled, Brother Jason and they're, they, they, they say, okay, well, then I'm just going to start saying positive words and that's going to make everything good. In other words, they deny reality of what's really going on around them. God doesn't ask you to deny reality of what's going on around you. And when people are really troubled about something, sometimes you're cruel when you say to them, hey, man, just, uh, you know, just suck it up. Tough it out. Well, it might be that they just can't yet. Okay? All right? And, uh, you know, I think it's in the book of Proverbs, Brother Kevin. You may remember it talks about how that it's not always good for to be singing a song to a heavy heart. You know, sometimes some people aren't ready for it. When their heart's grieving or their heart's sad or their mind is troubled and you want to sing a jolly song, well, it may not be a good thing and a wise thing at that time. Okay, now watch this. You need to ask yourself why. But number two, you've got to consider the reality and the truth. Because if I'm troubled in my heart, in my mind, and, and sometimes you can wake up in the morning, you, you went to bed, prayed, everything was good, no trouble, wake up in the morning, and it's like somebody let the dogs loose off the porch. You know, and getting a hold of your mind, your thought, your imagination, your mood, the whole thing is like something's chewing on you. And, uh, and and you can't just say, you know, get away from here. you got to challenge those thoughts, and you're going to have to consider the reality of some of the things that are going on in your life that are troubling you. For example, you look with me, please, in verse number 1 and verse number 2. You'll notice a key word here that I think sometimes troubles us. The Bible says, in, and it says, as the heart panteth, after the water brooks. Isn't that a great song that we sing? So panteth my soul after thee, O God. So here's somebody who's sincerely after seeking after the Lord and the presence of the Lord. Okay? Verse 2 says, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. And then there's that word, when. That's about timing. And sometimes God's timing about things going on in your life
trouble you because you're wondering when is God going to do something? When is the Lord going to show up? When is He going to answer this prayer? And that can really eat at you sometimes when you are needing something from the Lord. God is not like Burger King so that you just kind of pull up and they always tell you that you can have it your way. It's not like that. And and God is not always ready to have everything ready for you in about two minutes when you pull around. God works slow. I'm just being honest with you. He works very slow. But when He works, He works. I mean, when He actually acts, He can act swiftly and do some things. But it may be a while before He does it again. Okay? So, there's the question of when. Okay? And then you'll notice in verse number 3, He said, My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? And if you'll notice in verse number 10, As with the sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Now you'll notice a couple of things here. Somebody is saying something to you, and it is their words that are troubling you. Can people impact your mood, your mind, by the things that they say? Again, we're not we're talking about re- reality. We're not talking about I'm making this up. This is stuff that's there. The timing just, it seems like the Lord is just dragging His feet or either, Lord, I've missed you somewhere. God, I just, I just can't get the timing right. When? Then the words of other people will trouble your mind. I mean, you can, you can be fine and somebody say something or you heard somebody say something about you or your family or whatever, and then, boy, your mind just starts working like a, an agitator in a washing machine. And you wish they'd just keep their mouth off of you, off your family, off your business, and just leave you alone. Wouldn't it be awesome if people would just be quiet? And and M-Y-O-B? Y'all remember what that stands for in the book of 1 Thessalonians, don't you? Mind your own business. Study to be quiet. Mind your own business. So the words of others impacted his heart, but no quickly. Look in verse number four. It could be this. I'm not saying all of these. I'm saying one of these. Could be the timing. You're waiting on God about something. Could be like fiery darts, the words of other people. And verse number four, look what he says. <clears throat> when I remember. What is that? That's memories. Memories. Do your mem- memories ever trouble you? Do you ever regret things in the past? You need to, it's okay to regret, just don't live in it. Just don't live in it. You learn from it, but you can't live in it. It'll ruin you. Okay, you'll notice this again. You'll notice this in verse 10. It says, um, I'm sorry, not that verse, verse 6. The last part of that verse. 
O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan. He's looking back. See, all memories, all memories are not bad. And, and all memories, some memories are great. But what some of those great memories can do is they can depress you. Because you remember how things were. But you look at how things are now. <coughs> Did you know the book of Ecclesiastes says that it's very unwise for you to live in the past? That you think this is the way things were? But really, some of it had to do with where you were in your maturity, in your time of life, and what was going on. And, and, and you think that, man, those were the good old days because of the past. And if you're not careful, you'll wind up living in the past. And then you'll wind up re regretting some things. And you'll be, what are you actually doing? You're actually troubling yourself, aren't you? If you, if you constantly live, I can't tell you how many times I've told the Lord, the more He shows me about Him, the more I understand about the Bible, the more I increase in the knowledge of God, the more I've told Him, I said, Lord, I know nothing's impossible for you. If you could just beam me back about 30 years with what I know now and let me make some more choices or decisions, I'd appreciate it. Time travel. But I don't want to live with regret. I don't want to live in the past to where that it's robbing me of today. You can go down the road. You know, you travel a lot in your truck. You do too. You can think of a lot of things going you, you drive a lot. You can, you, got, you can have a lot of things on your mind. It's a wonder we don't run over somebody or run into somebody when we got so much on our minds. Can you look at somebody's eyes and tell that they got a lot on their mind? Sure can. It, 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 especially if you're married, you can tell by the countenance of your mate that their thought life is impacting them, good or bad. Okay? So memories. Be careful about living in the past. Look in verse 7. And listen, don't. it's okay to go back in the past. I mean, I've got some wonderful memories with my family. And I see a photo once in a while, and it, it'll bring back a memory of something. And, 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 and we can rejoice about it. There are good memories. But look in verse number uh, 7. Notice he says, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. What I see in that verse right there is you are experiencing some overwhelming emotions and circumstances. David liked to use that phrase right there about how it appears sometimes for him that those waves would just be about to take him under. He would use illustrations like that, that I'm going, man, this is too much for me. That, that, that life is overwhelming and so in verse number 7, I see all thy waves and thy billows gone over me. I'm, and Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to sink. Do you ever wake up sometimes or during the day you feel like that your situation in your life that you're going under? Okay? And listen, it, it, it doesn't mean that it stays with you, but I'm talking about 
That's why you're challenging these thoughts and says, hey, man, what's going on here? All right, look in verse 9. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? So what has God done here? Well, God has been silent. Does God do that sometimes to His children, even when they're asking Him something sincerely? Is God sometimes silent? Hmm? He is. He is. And so when God is silent or He is slow in His response, it can cast you down. Notice in chapter 43, verse number 2, He said, For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So He's... All of these things... Brother Lorne, are, they're all fiery darts that are laced with a little bit of truth. How do you extinguish, how do you protect yourself from the fiery darts? What does the Bible say? Anybody remember? What quenches the fiery darts? It is the shield of faith. Now, the reason I'm telling you about point number two is that you consider reality. You don't have to deny the truth of what's going on in your life to get help from God. You don't have to pretend that there's not elements of truth here. That maybe the timing of the Lord really just, just does, it does not sit well with you. The words of other people are impacting you. Your memories will not leave you alone. There's some overwhelming emotions and circumstances that come your way. And you know what about, about emotions? I think about, when I read that, I think about Brother Craig King, who has lost a son and a grandson and gone through some deep valleys. And I remember him telling me one time, I asked him how he was doing, he said, Brother Roger, he said, the emotions of these kind of things are like the waves of the sea. He said they come when they will to come. And they don't, in other words, he may get up one day and boom, or see something and there it is, boom, like a tsunami. Uh, that's why I don't like cruise ships. You get out there on a cruise ship and they say the weather's good and all of a sudden there's something going on down below and there's something shifting down on the surface of the earth and it burps and then here comes a tsunami wave that'll just about I've, I've read those things. Those things are not good to read before you go on a cruise ship. <laughs> those tsunami waves can come up and roll over a ship. But your emotions of things that have happened can some days just all all of a sudden just come at you and just knock you off your feet? It wasn't that you were sitting around thinking about it. It's just that you saw I remember when my father passed away. I didn't cry for a couple of weeks. I went to the funeral. I loved my father. I didn't I didn't have any emotions about it really for a couple of weeks. And then for some reason I saw, I picked up his and there was something about his truck keys that flooded my mind with memory and emotion at that moment. And I just broke down. 
and just started weeping. I can't explain that to you. I'm just telling you that sometimes that these things will come at you. There's no need you denying it. It's part of life. It is. And so what what the Lord is saying here is, is that I want you to consider your options. When these things come at you and your soul is disquieted and it is troubled and it is cast down, what did he then tell himself? Because he's talking to himself. He asked himself why, so he's challenging it, okay? He's not denying the reality of the circumstances. They're not going to change. So what did he tell himself? In all three verses, he says, I want you to consider the fact that yes, these things be true, but that God is bigger than all of them put together. And you need to consider the faithfulness of God and the power of God. And that, that, at that moment is when you can chase those buzzards out the window and close the window when they come in. Now, notice what he says in verse 5. Now, the words change from verse 5 to verse 11 and verse... Okay, notice what he says. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. Now, when we talk about hope and thou in God, that word hope, that word hope means have some confidence in. Not, oh man, I hope God is real. No, 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 no. It is placing your confidence and casting your soul upon Him and believing that He is bigger than all these things surrounding you that He is able. Okay? Now notice He says, Why art thou described within me? Hope thou in God. Alright? So, maybe I can use an illustration, a biblical illustration to help you with this. If you're taking notes, you go home and you read the story in 2 Kings chapter 7. And what you have there is that the city is, is being besieged and they, they're starving to death. I mean starving to death. And there's some lepers outside the city. And uh, they, 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 they asked themselves this question. They said, well, why don't we just, why are we sitting here until we just die. You know, if, if we go in the city, then they're probably going to kill us there. If we are, if we go to the, the, out there where the enemy is, maybe they'll have mercy on us or whatever, but why? We're going to die anyway, so let's take a chance here. Let's make a choice here. And so they did leave and went to the enemy's camp, and lo and behold, God had routed the enemy, and there was... Man, there was groceries everywhere. There were clothes everywhere. I mean, then they had that. They just ate until they just couldn't even breathe. And they sat there and said, "This ain't right. We got to share this. We got to go back and tell them about what God has done." But my point being is this: when you're in the valley, you got a choice. When you're troubled, when your mind is really troubled, you got a choice to make. Are you going to sit there? until you die? Are you going to sit there and mope all day? Are you going to sit there and... Because life is short. I'm not saying what you're feeling ain't real. 
What I'm saying is, don't let it take the whole day. Don't let it take the whole week. Don't let it ruin your day or the atmosphere of your home or the atmosphere with your family when they come around. Now, there's some time for mourning and grieving, and God allows for that. And we will weep with those that weep. But what He doesn't want you to do is to plant yourself there and stay there. He does want you to come up out of it. He does. He wants you to have some confidence in Him. Now, I want you to think about these verses. Notice what He says in verse 5. Hope thou in God. He wants you to cast your faith upon Him. But then what does He want you to do? For I shall yet praise Him. Brother Roger, I, I'm, I'm troubled. I don't, I don't feel like praising Him. And this is the power of praise. This is the power of faith. It is you exercising your faith in the facts of God and not based upon your emotions and your feelings. Now, this is huge right here. This can break the chains of bondage on your heart and on your mind if you would choose to do this. Now watch this. I want to show you something right here. It says down here in verse number 5 of chapter 42, he says, For I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. That's God shining upon you. You're going to praise him. And you're looking for his help for him to shine upon you and to help you. And praise will do this. I'm telling you, don't just praise Him when you feel like that. But do praise Him when you feel like it. But don't let that be just it. You're talking about turning a key to the dungeon door. You're talking about taking a pair of scissors and cutting the ropes. Praise will do this. I'm going to prove it to you in just a minute in a verse. But notice this in verse 5. You're looking for God's face his, to, for Him to shine upon you. Look down in verse number 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquiet within me? Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise Him. Now look at this. Who is the health of my countenance? You know what will change your countenance? Is when the Lord looks upon you and you know what? It, and honestly, when you're soul and spirit, when you encourage yourself in the Lord, it's going to show up on your countenance, on your face. You understand? It will show up on your face. And the Bible says in chapter 43, verse number 5, he says again, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me, hope in God? For I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance, and my God. Yes, God, I'm troubled today. Yes, God, there are some elements of truth and things going on around me that I cannot fix. But number three, God, I am considering the fact that you are my God and you are worthy to be praised and you will help me in your timing. Now watch this. Go over to Hebrews 13. Let's close with this verse. Hebrews 13 God wants you to praise Him when it looks like nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. But He wants you to trust Him before it does. Give Him a chance. Show Him your confidence. 
that your God is bigger, that He is able. And I'm not playing make-believe here. I don't believe in playing make-believe. I don't believe in playing mind games here. I don't. I just don't believe that stuff. I know what it's like to be discouraged. And, and man, I can, I can go home after a good service on church nights and be in good shape and lay down at night and, and I can let my mind wander and this and this and this and before I know it, I'm more discouraged before I go to sleep. And I did it. To me. I did Look with me here, please, quickly. And um, this is what the Lord wants from you here. Verse 14. He said, For here we have no continuing city. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. But we seek one to come. Verse 15 says, By him, therefore, by the grace of God, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Could you say that again, church? Continually. Continually. Does that mean even uh, when your soul is disquieted? Does that mean even when it is cast down? Yes, it is. He says that's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. And so, when you're in that situation, instead of being bitter at God for taking my dad I wanted to thank him for the years that I had him and the memories that I had with him amen and for the people who speak evil of you there are many more who love you and who are praying for you you just don't hear from them because they don't talk like the wicked do amen I mean, do you want me to call you every day and tell you, hey, I prayed for you today? Do you want me to call you every single day? Every now, every morning, I'm going to call you and say, I just want to let you know I prayed for you this morning. Or would you just need to hear that once in a while to know that somebody loves you and praying for you? See, I don't... When, when Elijah was depressed, the Lord sent an angel to him and the angel fixed him some angel food cake. And he lived on that angel food cake for 40, was it 40 days? 40 days. The strength of it. What does that mean? Well, I'm just saying that you don't need to, you shouldn't have to have an angel come down and fix you a cake every day. But when the Lord encourages you, does something for you, it ought to last a while. You know what I'm saying? It ought to last a while. And so when the Lord, and because I'm telling you, God's not a babysitter. So you're going to have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. He's going to come right along. When, you, when, when you're about to go under and He says you can't handle it, He'll show up. He'll encourage you. He'll get you back on your feet. And He says, now next time, I want you to get up on your feet. Can you imagine? I mean, are you still carrying your kids around? <laughs> no, I saw them running around in here. Yeah, they had to learn how to walk on their own. Didn't they? Yes, sir. Yeah, Absolutely. And I know, I know Brother Lawrence letting that little boy, he's going to tumble, he's going to fall. Mom, Mom may want to catch him every time he gets ready to tilt over. But eventually he's going to have to just keep, he's got, he's got to get up on his own. And I'm telling you, God is good. 
And when we're babes in Christ, here comes a long man, and he just kind of, he, he catches us and he gets us up, but then he says, all right, you're going to have to quit that. And you're going to have to encourage yourself, and you're going to have to believe in me, and you're going to have to trust me. And I want you to praise me, and I want you to believe in me. And when you feel your worst, I'm serious now, if you don't take anything, anything out of this, other than this, when you're at your worst in this situation, praise Him and thank Him for everything that you can think of. You praise Him for who He is, what He's done, and you thank Him. And I'm not talking about in generalities. Think of something that you're thanking for. Okay? And then you just start listing some things. And I don't care if... I, I don't care if you're... If that voice from the adversary comes and says, "By you don't really mean that. You're just being a hypocrite. You mean when you said you believe God's good and God's great and God's faithful. If that voice comes, you kick that voice right out that window and say, listen, I may not feel it right now, but I do believe it. I believe it. And I'm going to confess it, whether you like it or not. Do you have those kind of conversations? Yes, I do. And I take them thoughts and I say, wow, you're out of here. And go down the highway and say, whoa, hold on a minute. I let the window down, you're out of here. Not thinking that way. Not going there. Talk to yourself. Challenge your thoughts. Be honest with God about it. Where you're hurting. And then praise Him. And thank Him. And say, God, I need your help. I need, I just, I don't, listen, He's talked about the face of the Lord. You know why He said that? Because he wasn't asking for his hand. He was asking for his face. He wanted the presence of God. Not just something from God. Man, what a blessing it is when my kids just want to be around me. Not anything from me. That's different. Amen? Just be around me. I hope you understand tonight. Okay? Let's pray. Father... In Jesus' name, please help us, dear saints. The one that's the lowest, may, Lord, they praise you before they go to bed tonight. And, Lord, may you break those chains. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're dismissed. God bless you for being faithful tonight.